With the regular season getting closer and closer, it's time for teams to turn the talk into action. Or, I guess in our case, Maction? On this episode, Benji, Justin, and I analyze the Mac East and what they have in store for us this season. We'll go through each team's dynamics heading into the season, setting our expectations for each squad, and outlining some potential all-conference talents from each team. Plus, what podcast would be complete without a couple of hot takes on who's going to win the Mac title? For our fun segment today, we spend a little bit too long trying to rank the six Mackey stadiums. I think the takeaway from that one is that we hate football fields with tracks and we hate asymmetry. I'm producer Connor. I hope you have fun with this one. We sure did. And you're tuned into the Great Lakes Gridiron podcast. And now, Freelancer. Welcome to the third episode of the Great Lakes Great Iron Podcast. I am your co-host Justin Easter. With me today, as always, is Connor and Benji. How are you guys doing today? Doing great. Oh, how are you guys doing? You know, uh, we had Mac Media Days the other day, the last week, and a lot of great content. And when Mac Media Days gets here, that's how you know football's back. Amen. See, I thought it, I thought it had to do with the leaves turning. That's at least what I heard yesterday. But... Oh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's Close. been a long time no see from you guys. It's like, you know, just 24 hours or something like that. <laughs> oh, man, my, my feet still hurt. Yeah, yeah my I arms hurt a little bit. The one thing that we proved yesterday was that none of us are actual athletes. Yes, that is <laughs> I, I, factual. Our, our best spot is definitely right here behind the microphones where yes. we don't have to do any physical activity. And, and even... Even still behind the microphone, I gotta use my brain, and that's still sometimes questionable. It's I, I try, I really try, I give it the good old college try. So, um, but on today's episode, we'll be giving a season preview of the East Division of the MAC. But first, we have to talk about news and notes from around the league and what has happened since we have last recorded. Take it away, guys. So uh, we got the MAC. Preseason coaches poll came out. Um, so starting with the East Division, uh, Ohio had nine first place votes. Miami had two, and Buffalo had one. Uh, followed by Bowling Green, Akron, and Kent State. Um, then the West, Toledo had eleven first place votes. Eastern Michigan had one. Northern Illinois, Central, Ball State, and Western rounded out. Um, what are you, what are your guys' thoughts on uh, both of the both the East and the West? It kind of seems like that's what uh, all the coaches were going to go for. Yeah, and there's uh and and then another one is uh, Mac Champion votes. There's seven for Toledo, four for Ohio, and then one for Buffalo. So it's surprising to see that the you know the one championship vote for Buffalo is probably the same first place vote that they got you know in the East, and uh, I you know. Um, we talked about this, you know, not not on the podcast, but uh, we'll talk about it now. But how, you know, if you, you're head coach, don't you want to vote for your team first every year? So it's always surprising that, like, you know, you see Central and Northern, you know, not getting a first place vote. But you look at like Buffalo and Miami, 
I bet their coaches, I bet Buffalo and Miami's own coach voted first place for them. Because why wouldn't you, right? You'd want to play for a coach that votes you first place. I'm actually really interested to see who the second first place vote was for Miami of Ohio. I, you know, personally, I have Buffalo ahead of them in what I think is going to happen in the MAC East. But somebody else thinks that Miami of Ohio has some juice. I wish they'd release the, uh, you know, who voted for it. It'd be very yeah. intriguing. Yeah, I'm. I'm very curious to see how these actually the if these coaches actually vote for this, or because I've heard rumors that they have assistants or uh, just staffers that input the votes for them. Uh, at least I know that 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 to be the case for the coaches poll uh, week by week during the season. Because like, I I don't think Jim Harbaugh and Nick Saban are actually taking time out of their busy days to actually put a vote in for those polls. Um, I I do agree with you, Justin. Though if I'm a coach, I'm picking my team to go number one. But I think this is more of a respect thing, I guess. I, yeah, I, I feel like you know I, it's always it's always confused me when you look at like the top twenty five poll, like you said, the coaches poll, right? And you see that there's ten undefeated teams, yet two only get first place votes. It's like why you know like why is the fifth place team who's ten and zero not getting a first place vote? Like I vote for myself. I'm putting myself one. I don't care. That's yeah, just, absolutely. Yeah, I don't. I don't want. I don't want my head coach to. Uh, going into a season not thinking that we're we have a chance to win i agree the way i look at it dan campbell said something similar uh (laughs) when training camp started like you even when you know you're gonna suck you always go into a season thinking you're gonna win that sounds the most lions thing i've ever heard in my life hey it's our year baby all right all right this is a college football podcast yeah you're right you're right you're right so on this episode, like I said, we're going to talk about the season previews. And to start it off, we're, uh, Connor's going to take it away with Bowling Green. Yeah, yeah, Bowling Green's kind of an interesting team. I have them pegged at around 4-8 and eight for the season. I think there's definitely some wiggle room there. And that's probably a disappointment to a lot of Bowling Green fans after their 6-7 and seven performance last year. Maybe, Maybe could have been better if they would have got it done in the bowl game, but I digress. Uh, things are looking pretty good this season, though. I think the biggest gain for them, Connor Bazelak from India, the quarter or Indiana, the quarterback, he is going to bring some true passing firepower to this team. And they have a couple of receivers out there who are going to be pretty key players for them. Uh, I'll shout out Finn Hogan, the transfer out of Central Michigan, as a giant six four six five type receiver who i think is actually going to make an impact on their team maybe maybe in the z spot but uh they do have a third team max selection in the preseason uh, a day hilaire and he's one of those red receivers that is going to be catching a lot of passes uh other first team mac players that they're returning uh you know last year they had a huge loss in Carl Brooks, the edge rusher. Uh, he ended up going to the Packers in the sixth round. Easily a guy who could have gone much sooner in the draft. Well, his former pairing on the line, Demetrius Hardeman, he's a second-team All-Max selection, and I think he's going to fill that role very nicely. They also have kind of an X-Factor wildcard guy in Teron Keith. He's been their kick returner, and he's the first-team Mac kick return specialist. And I'm curious to see him get some reps back there and see if he can do um, even more. Because we've seen guys go to the NFL purely based on, 
I can return kicks and I can play special teams. And I think it'd be really interesting to see a guy like him actually get a shot to show his stuff again this year, maybe capitalize on it. Because when you look at his snap counts on other places in the field, not very high. I'd say outside of that, it's kind of a ho-hum season we're, we're really strapping in for. Uh, they struggled last year defensively. They had a lot of TFLs, not many sacks, so it was more of a run focus. But that's all because of that defensive line. The good part of this, though, is behind that line, Darren Anders is a lockdown linebacker. And that guy can really get some tackles out there. So I think that that defense is what's going to have to improve and carry them because I'm a little worried about the offense outside of the passing game. Uh, The run game might not be too great, and the O-line has some serious issues, especially in the guard spots. So all in all, I I think you have to come into the season expecting to be that mid-range team. There's some potential for a repeat, getting to a bowl game again, but hey, I I think this is what you talk about when you set the litmus test in the bar for the middle of the MAC. It's probably Bowling Green. It's, I mean, we'll talk about. You said you got them going four and eight, and we'll talk about that at a, uh, you know, future episode when we do the schedule previews. But yeah, it's it's, you know, we talked earlier too on the first episode about how, you kind of saw them just kind of plateauing, right? Like just not really improving. So, I I understand. I understand completely where you're coming from. And Benji, Benji, how about your Ohio Bobcats? Who should we be looking forward to watch to have a breakout season and who might play at uh, the next level? There's there's a couple guys for the Ohio Bobcats, but it all starts in the center with number 69, Parker Titsworth. <laughs> Love to have you come on the pod, Parker. But uh, when I look at Ohio, they had a – they had a excuse my French, hell of a year last year. Um, they lost their quarterback late in the year, uh, Curtis Rourke. So when you look going into this year, I think it's all going to depend on his health. Is he going to be ready to go week one? Or not even week one, week zero uh, at San Diego State. If they can get if they can get past San Diego State, I think they're going to have a chance once at FAU. Um, that's going to be – they got a first-year head coach, the old coach from Texas. Okay, cool, hook him. Um, and then they play Iowa State at home, which is a very intriguing game. They got smoked last year by uh, Iowa State at Iowa State, forty-three to ten. I I think if they can beat San Diego State, I think they're going to beat Iowa State at home. I think I really do. Uh, Iowa State has some betting scan- scandal going on. I think that hit the whole state of Iowa. It's kind of a strange situation. I know Hunter Deckers is not going to be playing this year. It doesn't sound like as of August 13th. Uh, but, you know, Curtis Rourke, if he's going to be ready to go, C. Bangora was their running back, freshman of the year, one of the top NFL prospects in the whole conference. And when you look at the rest of their offense, Parker Titsworth, Kurt Daniker, Jay Ambergry, uh, Cedric Rhodes, all returning on the offensive line. You got Tyler Foster returning at tight end. Miles Cross, the wide receiver, uh, returning. They're a very senior-laden team on offense. And then you go into defense, a lot of seniors. Uh, they return five starters on on defense. I think this is a team that could easily win eight games. I, they could even push to 9-10. Uh, they won 10 last year, which is 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 great. 
a great season in the MAC, even though they didn't win it. I think their goal this year has to be to win and compete for the for the MAC championship in Detroit. And I think this is a team that could very well could win it. Do you, so. Do you think? Uh, you think if they don't play in the championship game, it's a kind of a failure season, even if they I, get six. I, I would wins? say. I would say so. You know, Frank Solich has should have never gotten fired by Nebraska by those Cornhuskers. They had a really slumbag AD who didn't know what the heck he was doing uh, back in 2002 or whenever that was. Really set uh, them back, too, for 20 yeah, years. Yeah, yeah. yeah and seriously. Uh, it's cra- off topic, but it's crazy. They just brought him back. It's like, come on. You fired a coach for no reason who was winning. That's uh, just stupid. But <laughs> I, I think the bar has to be the MAC championship. This is a team that's senior-laden. They should be competing and winning the MAC title. Um, I would say Toledo, Toledo as well, but that's a different, different, uh, different episode there. So um, yeah, I think this is eight to eight to ten win team. Without right. a doubt. Miami of Ohio Red Hawks. You know, they open up the year against my uh, University of Miami. Miami versus Miami. Love it. But before we even get into those games, you know, Miami is led on their defense. Um, Matthew, Sa- Matthew Salopek, I hope I'm saying that name correctly, returns after boasting a 124 tackle season. And he's a magnet to the ball. If you have it, you can expect to get hit by him. Um, Corey Suttle also returns from a great season last year where he led the team in sacks with six. They're returning eight starters, but everyone on the defense this year has started at least one game. Um, They had 28 sacks last year, forced 23 turnovers. Chuck Martin will always have a good defensive-minded team. Um, Matthew Salopak is my standout. I think he can make the uh, NFL. Uh, Both the players I mentioned are SIS preseason conference first-teamers and Athlon second-team All-Mac. They uh the the biggest key though for Miami of Ohio, you know they're like I said they're just they're gonna have their defense right they're always gonna have great defense. It's Brett Gabbert, um the you know brother to Blaine Gabbert, former Missouri and current NFL quarterback. Uh, he just has to avoid injuries. Uh, he only played in four games last year and had two different substantial injuries. Um, he says this is a quote from him, but he says I feel like I had a great spring. Uh, he was he was sidelined last year by a broken left clavicle in last season's home opener at Kentucky. Returned to play against Western Michigan and Akron before suffering a season-ending ankle injury in the second to last game of the season. That's just that's just some bad luck there. Um, and then Chuck Martin goes, Brett doesn't have anything to prove to me or anybody who knows anything about football. Like he's without a doubt where that team's going to go. And they and if he's healthy. I think they can win the MAC. I think they can win the MAC East. Um, they are a little weak at receiving core, though. Um, they'll have to find different weapons to get the ball to, as Mac Hippenhammer, who went to the NFL draft, um, sorry, who is in the NFL, he accounted for nearly 20, 28% of the total receptions and over 31% of the receiving yards, and 60%, yes, 60% of the receiving touchdowns. They only had 15 receiving touchdowns last year, and he accounted for nine of them. Um, both ti- both tight ends, Jack Coldiron, great football name, and Nate Mersch will have to pick up the slack. Though there are rumors that Nate may line up out wide um, to help the receiving core. Both are great. Both uh, both are great red zone targets. Both are six five, you know, big guys, jump ball type stuff. They're going to be great. Miles Marshall is the returning is the lone returning starter in the core and seems to be the deep ball 
threat guy, averaging over 16 yards per catch last year, but only accounted for two touchdowns on 24 catches for 400 yards. So he didn't, you know, 24 catches, you think about it, 12 games, he only caught, you know, two passes a game. That's that's not, it's hard to win games that way. The running back position will be fine as uh, they have Kayon Mosey and Tracy Kinney are both returning. And the offense goes, like I said, the offense goes with the health of their starting quarterback. They love to run the ball, but need a quarterback to make the right throws at the right time to win. Um, the offense left the defense out to dry last year when Gabbert went down with injuries. And I'm just going to read off the uh, who their offensive line is. And it's a big offensive line. Like all Ooh. of these boys could be. Uh, all of these boys Connor loves probably and are uh, going to be Thick Boy Thursday candidates. Love but, it. Uh, but yeah, you got Sam Vaughn, left tackle, 6'7", 292. <sighs> yeah. You got Gavin Roars, R-O-H-R-S, Roars, great name too, 6'4", 336. You've got, Char- yeah, you got Charlie Nank, 6'4", 305 at the center. You got Colby Borders, who I am personally nominating as a Thick Boy Thursday candidate, six six three thirty. Oh baby! Yeah, he. It's gonna be tough to get around him on that one. And then right tackle, uh, Reed Holsky, six six three oh three. He's also a second team All MAC player. So their offensive line is great, and you know it's it, like I said, that's a big, big offensive line. That strong. And most of them, I would say, I'd say Colby Borders could make the NFL, and I think Sam Vaughn could as well. I think Reed will be could be a UDFA, but I think those other two could go drafted. But I, with that, with that being said, though, that's Miami's uh, preview. Is pretty much they just need Gabbert to be healthy. They need Brett Gabbert to be healthy, and they're going to continue to run the ball. They're just going to continue to run the ball. They're going to just run, run, run. They're going to be a lot like my Falcons, where literally they're just going to run the ball, and they just need the quarterback to make the good, good throws. They can either go nine and three or three and nine, and it sounds very similar to a team on the Mac West that I'll be talking about in the next episode. But this team, like I said, could be really good depending on their like. But it all depends on their quarterback. Yeah, and I I remember hearing that Brett. Brett Gabbert, there was rumors back in the offseason that Missouri was trying to pull him away. So nope. that's a big, huge, huge keep, I guess, for uh, for Coach Martin down yeah, in Oxford. It's actually shocking that he didn't go because, like I yeah. said, you know, his brother is a Missouri – like, everyone knows Blaine Gabbert at Missouri, right? You know, Blaine Gabbert is probably a campus legend there. Like, oh, yeah. It wouldn't shock me if, like – you know, 10, 15 years down the road, he has a statue outside that stadium because he was just so instrumental. So it's really, I love to see that Brett Gabbert stayed in the MAC and wants yeah. to, you know, win a MAC title for the for Miami of Ohio. But we're going to ship it up to Northern Ohio now and now hear about preseason predictions for the Kent State Golden Flashes. Connor, take it away. Kent State is in some trouble and I think it all started this offseason when Sean Lewis went over to Colorado joined Coach Prime making their super team of a million transfers and unfortunately this is a team that got gutted because of it it's uh I think two of their tackles ended up going to Colorado which is kind of crazy when you think about it with how much talent that they brought in but literally everyone else from this team is gone and the biggest just obviously the biggest loss to me is actually running back Marquez Cooper because not only did they transfer away as probably the best running back in the Mac they went over to Ball State so 
staying in the conference still going to be a huge problem for this defense and i think there's a lot more problems to look at for this team uh we love kenny burns here and i think that's no secret but this is going to be a big struggle uh only real highlights that i'm going to give you from this squad is they can still run the ball uh xavier williams is projected second team mac and he's someone who has a lot of experience he's gonna have no problem taking over i'd expect a little bit more of a power run than the super fast style that they used last year and on the other side of the backfield there really isn't a clear quarterback for this team and we're pretty dang close to the opening game so we'll see what happens uh, colin she left last year and that's why there's such a big void they have transferred in a million guys and it just really hasn't settled yet if you actually go and try to look up their depth chart right now and this is not far off of week one you're not going to find anything updated because that's how how crazy the situation is so you don't have a verified great quarterback you don't really have an o-line because half of them are playing for colorado and i think the rest are like ucf right now and then you kind of lost dante cephas to penn state and you lost a couple other receivers to power five programs so you're not really looking anywhere on offense but defense similar to how i was talking about bowling green they've got a couple of strengths here on the inside of the line cj west is a guy who can dominate up the middle really take away the run game and that's something you can start to build on i also would like to shout out some of the linebackers here cleo saunders he's probably going to be moving all around the uh, middle there but he looks like he's going to be an interesting commander out of the secondary everything else though it's pretty open right now we just got to see where these transfers fall see if kenny burns can really out coach some other coaches and hey maybe they outdo their projections it's just unfortunately right now all they have to really build upon is that running game and they're gonna have to figure it out as they go so you said that they're that they're starting running back last year transferred to ball state why do you think that's the case it can't be just playing time right i think a lot of it has to do with yeah a lot of it has to do with coaching changes and with style of play um i think ball state's a little bit on the up and up this year uh, I, i'd expect them to be right around a bowl game but it, it is interesting that they had all these guys go to power five programs and yet such a dominant running back didn't go to one that is uh that is interesting to look at yeah it's it's almost you know i'm gonna talk about the nfl for a hot second but almost you know it just seems like running backs in today's age you know they're dime a dozen right like, you can have elite running backs. I mean, we talked about it earlier. The Mac has elite running backs from where, you know, Kareem Hunt and Michael Turner. So, it's it doesn't surprise me that he didn't go Power 5, but it also, in a sense, kind of does. Because, like you said, he's such a great player. You think he can get it. But, again, how many you know how, how important is a running back to a lot of these college teams? Probably depending on the college teams. But, you know, you could do a running back by committee depending on your system right yep and you know they kind of did that last year and it's interesting to point out too i know that their style is going to change because they definitely went to backs that have more power in them and they they transferred in a couple more guys who yeah they're really kind of up the middle dudes but i saw this time of possession stat that i had to write down where opponents had about 35 minutes a game and they had 25 kent state did and you're a running first team what's going on with that it couldn't where, get first downs. Yeah, where's the milking the clock that you'd expect? I get that it was a very fast-paced style they ran, but still, I mean, maybe that's something that they can improve upon. Maybe Kenny Burns, you know, maybe he actually knows what he's doing with the run game. We'll see. Yeah, I mean that it'll be it'll be very interesting to see how they how they go. 
You think he's going to be rolling the boat down at Kent State? <laughs> I, so <laughs> I am a big hater of P.J. Fleck taking the row the boat thing because while he may have come up with it, he really didn't own that, right? If Western was putting that on their uniforms and was really branding with it, and then suddenly you show up at Minnesota and you're like, oh, hey, guys, here's some oars. Like, that that was so <laughs> dumb to me. Yeah, and I mean, I, yeah, Look, I Kenny, you're a part of it. Go ahead. <laughs> start freaking putting oars on the Kent State uniforms. Why not? We'll just have, like, a, a coaching tree, and it's all about boats. Yeah. Well, yeah, that that was a Western Michigan thing, not a Minnesota thing. Yeah, it's you guys are exactly right. If you ask anyone about that PJ Fleck and Western Michigan, they think row the boat, right? And they still think row the boat to this day at Western. No one says row the boat at Minnesota. No one. Like, yeah, Minnesota's absolutely. got too much history for that. So it's kind of corny that PJ Fleck did bring that over to Minnesota. Like, you know, if he went to, I don't know, Indiana or you know, a smaller Big Ten school. Maybe that would make sense, but yeah, Minnesota. Yeah, Minnesota has, Minnesota so much has a lot of history. Yeah, sure. I mean they've won a national, like they've won a couple national titles. Like you don't need a stupid row the boat yeah. thing. But and I they have three s- of the greatest rivalry trophies. Let's yeah. throw that out there. And I will. I'm gonna say this too. You know, I if Kenny Burns does want to row the boat, stay off the Cuyahoga. That thing can catch on fire. <laughs> <laughs> to all our Cleveland listeners, y'all know what I mean. The mistakes on a lake. <laughs> uh. <laughs> oh, wow, that was that was unexpected, and I love it. But okay, let, let's talk about a team that Too isn't. Far, Justin. Yeah, let, let's let's try to let's try to talk about a team that's actually good here. You want to go into Buffalo? Let's go, Buffalo. <laughs> that's that's for the Buffalo Bills. Now we're talking about the Buffalo Bulls here today. You know, uh, Coach Mo Linguist, uh, he's going into his third year now. Had had a difficult transition first first year because uh, Lance Leopold was the coach there, and then he left after spring practice to go to Kansas. Uh, and Coach Molinguis, who was just starting as co DC at Michigan, I remember the Fort the Fort Wolverine on on three message board had a freaking meltdown when he left because he's a hell of a recruiter. Um, so he's going into his third year. You know, ha- has a little bit of a Still kind of in that transition. Um, they're going deep into the transfer portal, uh, but they do have a lot of talent. You know, they have quarterback Cole Sanders coming back. Competed 58% of his passes last year, 18 touchdowns, 8 picks. So he'll, he'll have a little bit of a comfort level. Uh, I I would – watching him last year, he, he was a Ruck, Rutgers guy, originally Rutgers transfer. Uh, Shiano Man wasn't, wasn't his thing. Rather go play for Molinguist. Speaking of that, should be that should be a rivalry game that's played every year. Rutgers, Rutgers and Buffalo. It just seems like a beautiful color matchup. Yeah, uh, and that's that's like almost an America matchup, red, white, and blue. Oh yeah, absolutely. I would I would love to watch that game. Uh, when you look at the returning starters, uh, Marcus Fuqua, he's, he's going to be an NFL guy. Whether uh, most likely next next draft, he's returning at safety. Then they have another guy I think is going to be NFL guy in left guard, Gabe Wallace, six six three thirty seven. Oh, big guy there. Oh boy, thick boy Thursday candidate. He's 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 back at left guard. They got Isaiah Wright at left tackle. C six four three hundred, and then their right guard uh, Tyler Doty, six five three twenty, all coming back. 
got their running back coming back as well. Ron Cook, 5'9", 190. A player I think is really going to have a breakout year, Nick McMillan. Uh, he's a wide receiver. Redshirted last year as a freshman, but in the spring game uh, with Khalil Mack on hand, he had uh, four catches, 134 yards. I think he's going to be a good replacement for Justin Marshall and Quayon Williams, who uh, graduated last year at wideout. You know, look at their schedule. They they have a tough non-conference schedule. They they go to Camp Randall uh, to open up the year. I highly recommend that all the Buffalo Bowl fans travel for that game. It's going to be awesome. Um, then they play Fordham. I expect them to win that. Liberty is going to be a tough, tough uh, non-conference game. Jamie Chadwell, first-year head coach there, coming in from Coastal, where he built Coastal into be pretty much a, a fun-built power there. Um, and then they play go to Louisiana, uh, who's usually a tough, another tough fun-built program. Uh, when it looked to the schedule, though. It's manageable until the end. They have a heck of a finish in their schedule. They go to go to Toledo, then they play Ohio, then they go to Miami, Ohio, and then they go to Eastern Michigan to finish out the year. That is going to be where the difference between five or six wins and eight wins and playing in Detroit. I got him. I got him at seven five now. I think Molinguis is is a rising star. But that schedule's tough, and the non-conference isn't any isn't any better. So I got them at seven five. Uh, yeah. and what are you guys' thoughts on Buffalo? Well, as I said, we'll go more into their schedule. You know, um, when we do yeah. the schedule preview. Yeah. But I, you know, like you know, they got one first place vote in the East. You know, we talked about that a second ago. That I, you know, it might have been Mo Linguist who did that, and I would be all for it if it was, because like we said, you know, you want your head coach to pretty much say that you've got the best team buffalo like you know buffalo is gonna be a a fun team to watch they're yes you know i would say there's four four very interesting maybe five very interesting teams this year in the mac Uh, you know you're gonna have your basic bottom teams you know like unfortunately this year western uh kent state akron all that but buffalo falls in the range to me at least of one of one of those four interesting teams because they could win the mac they also could finish four and eight. Yes. So it's and like I said, we'll get more into their schedule and talk about what our predictions are at, at a later episode. But I it, I agree with you though a lot, Benji. That's you know Mo Linguist is a great coach. I think he's going to have those boys ready to play. It's hard to come to Buffalo in November and win games. Um, he's he's built a culture up there. I mean, there's you know like you said with Lance Leip- Leipold. I mean. You know, there's a, there's a good Buffalo for for Buffalo being who they are and not actually having like the accolades to show how great those teams are. They have had some great talent come from there, and they have had you know great programs. And you know, I'm even gonna like touch on their basketball team too. You know, the Buffalo Bulls basketball team. You know, they they beat Arizona what three years ago, I think, guys, four years ago in uh, March Madness. But yeah. um, but I mean, that's just the whole culture of Buffalo. It's like you know it's it, anyways yeah it's just a good culture sorry for the rambling but it's just oh, a good no. culture there no and i think they benefit from being in a different area compared to the rest of the conference they're still touching the great lakes but they get more of the new england new upper new york state area 
And also, I forgot to mention um, linebacker Sean Dolak, along with Marcus Fuqua. He's a returning first-team All-Mac leading the defense. So st- two studs coming back on defense and uh, returning a couple other defense linemen. So I think this team will have a chance to compete for the for the title. I don't I don't see them getting there this year, but they're going to be a heck of a team to watch. And I I believe in everything that Molinguis is building there. In I'm Buffalo. glad you, I'm glad you brought up the uh, where they're at location wise because you know when you're when you're talking about Buffalo, who's the only school they really have to compete with in their state, and that's Syracuse. Right, that's yes. the only real Power Five team that they have to actually compete with, and you know Syracuse. I wouldn't consider Syracuse a big power school, right? So when you're looking for talent in New York or even in Western Pennsylvania, you can just be like, hey, like just come play at Buffalo. Come play. Like you're gonna like I guarantee you, Buffalo probably will have more games, more televised games this year than Syracuse will. Oh yeah. Like nationally televised. I mean, Syracuse might get on the ACC network, but, you know, in Michigan, we don't get the ACC network. You know, in Nebraska, you don't get it. But when you watch Maction, you're going to see it with Buffalo. So How many? And usually you'll get a Syracuse game on a Friday, maybe. Yeah. But I, I'd rather watch Buffalo game, honestly. Yeah. I, and, 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 yeah, like I said, you hit the nail right on the head about, like, how their location, how it actually probably benefits them more than any other team here because – Again, they're not really, you know, you look at the Ohio schools, they have to compete against Cincinnati and Ohio State, right? Yes. You look at the Michigan schools, they got to go against Michigan State and Michigan, and then everyone, and then, you know, Eastern, Central, Western are all competing against each other, while all the Ohio schools are competing against each other. Same thing as Northern Illinois, you got Illinois Northwest, and they got to compete against blah, blah, blah. While, and, again, you know, a lot of the Michigan and Ohio schools are also the directional schools are in the Akron's and the Ohio's. They're also competing against Pitt, West Virginia, Iowa, Kentucky. All those schools recruit heavily in Ohio and Michigan as yeah. well. Yeah, and in Buffalo, literally Buffalo, uh, you know, I think Mo Linguist is actually doing this. He could easily just dominate that you know New England region of recruiting. Yes, because he's, he's one of the best recruiters in college football. Yeah, and, and again, like, like we said, it's just, you know, you really go against Syracuse, and if you really want to expand it to the Northeast... They go against Boston College again. Two, two ACC teams that are pretty much bottom dweller of the ACC typically. So you're not really competing against big Power Five schools. And again, if I'm a recruit, you know, if I'm a three star, I don't know if I'd rather play at Boston College or Syracuse over Buffalo because I know, like I said, at Buffalo you get more primetime games or not primetime but TV games. I just pulled it up because I was really curious because I think you're right about this. And I just pulled up the top recruits from New York for 23, right? The majority of these guys, the school that they're actually going to is Rutgers, which okay. makes sense, right? Right next yeah. door. Yeah. You have to go down the list a little bit to get to Syracuse where they have a handful. And outside of that, I mean, the other Power 5 ones are in that area too. So it looks like it's a real geographical thing. Uh, I see like Purdue in here in Penn State. You know, that kind of makes sense. Maryland. It's all in that same area. So, yeah, interesting that Rutgers yeah. is that much of a stranglehold over New York versus all the New York schools, you know, Syracuse. I don't I don't think they were until Greg Giano came back. I think Greg Giano has actually done a really good job recruiting. And he's, I mean, when I think of Greg Giano, I think that Sopranos commercial. He had a Sopranos commercial with... Uh, <laughs> I remember uh, that. Well, with we'll Tony Soprano. It, yeah. It's an incredible commercial. 
Yeah, we'll, we'll definitely link that too. Um, but yeah. He definitely was. Uh, I'll keep that in my comment. <laughs> he definitely doesn't have ties to the mob. Yes. Sure. Yes. That's funny. Today's podcast is brought to you by MadSciProductions.com. We all know life can get a little hectic sometimes, and with how the past few years have gone, I think everyone could use a second to step back and just breathe. If you're looking for a little bit of a different perspective on life and some mind refreshment to go with it, why don't you go check out MadSciProductions.com. The man who leads all of our podcast to graphic design, Brandon, he set this up as an art project slash blog website that combines some powerful pieces with a few words of wisdom. I personally love the cyberpunk-esque look of his latest project with some neon pieces that would look great in your City Vibes apartment. You can check out these pieces and more on MadSciProductions.com. But, you know, to finish up with the Mackies, we will go to the team that finished last. But the team that I said in the episode one that could have a big step forward this year in terms of their own standards, and that's the Akron Zips, uh, led by Coach Joe Moorhead, former Mississippi State head coach. Uh, they're returning 20 starters on both sides of the ball. Uh, Akron, you know, it, Akron, you can't expect too much being an Akron uh fan right like you if they get four wins that's your that's probably a super bowl for them now i'm joking probably six wins would be a super bowl them getting to a bowl game but akron's akron is led by dj irons they're starting uh quarterback he's returning uh prior to akron he was a 24 7 sports three-star quarterback from lawrenceville georgia my neck of the woods well not really it's about an hour and a half from where i used to be from but came to akron from iowa central community college earned juco all-american accolades had 67 uh, completion percentage 6.9 yards attempt long of 80 yards 10 touchdowns seven interceptions last year uh the biggest problem with akron coming out of last year is protecting the quarterback irons got sacked 42 times and the entire quarterback room got sacked 56 times nearly four and a half a game uh and you know it they couldn't really run the ball either. It's just, it's funny when, you know, I mentioned Miami of Ohio earlier, you know, I mentioned how big their offensive line is and how great they are at, you know, running the ball and protecting their quarterback. While you've got a school up north that just, like I said, can't can't protect for, for shit. <laughs> Excuse my language. But, you know, they've got, um, they've got a, they've got a couple good, um, Receivers. They've got Daniel George. He's uh, returning. He's 6'2", 210. Transferred from Penn State two years ago. Uh, he had a good year last year. He had 67 receptions for 800 yards. Uh, only two touchdowns, though. I mean, for Akron didn't score a lot last year. So let's let's when I'm saying this stuff, it's it's because they really didn't score as much as like they probably should have. Um, my best prediction of who is to go to pro, though, on a skill position level, though, is Alex Adams. He's a returning starter from last year's team, 6'1", 190, four-star prospect and a top-ten recruit in the state of Mississippi. He initially committed to LSU, but transferred to Akron, so got an SEC guy there. And, you know, last year, th- these are where all the touchdowns went to. Uh, he had 63 receiving uh, receptions, 850 yards, and nine touchdowns. You know, so between both George and Adams, you've got you know 130 receptions for about 1600 yards and 11 touchdowns so you're hoping as an akron fan that daniel george takes that step forward on the touchdowns especially with him being a 6-2 guy and uh 6-2 210 and he'll probably be used more on the outside while alex adams looks like a slot receiver type aspect possession guy um so yeah so their defense or sorry their offense is it, it, it'll be it, it'll take a step forward i mean like i said joe moore has a great 
great offensive mind at head coach. So they'll take a step forward. I think, like I said, I think they'll probably get four wins, three to four wins, but we'll talk about that in a later episode. But um, the defensive side of the ball, they also struggled last year. They're returning three of their starters, um, Nate Thompson, Darian Lewis, and uh, K.J. Martin, all in the secondary, who were two through four on tackles last year. Both sack leaders are gone. Tyson Duran is returning as well in the secondary and led the team with three picks. Um, Bubba Arslanian is a preseason all-MAC player, um, but they are very, very young up front. They have none of their front four are returning. So it's funny that their biggest problem is getting after the quarterback when they can't even protect their own. You know, you would think in de- you would think in practice be like, hey. You guys want to work on getting sacks? Let's go against our own starting offensive line. You guys can get some sacks that way. I know that sounds awful to say, but, you know, it is what it is. But, yeah, their biggest problem is getting after the quarterback and protecting their own. And if they can do that, then, I, you know, they could go five. They could even get six wins if they can do all that. But I just don't see them doing that. Um, you know, it's it's, it's going to be another another losing season in the uh, Cleveland area sports prior for the Browns as well you got the Kent State gonna have a losing season so it's just you know that's uh the mistakes on the lake are not enjoying I don't know why I just decided to rip on Cleveland today but you know yeah that was uncalled for I know I know I'm sorry you know being being Michigan being a you know in the Detroit area we got to kind of rip on cleveland because yeah yeah but, not that that's just the city that lebron left twice right yeah <laughs> it really is imagine how bad you have to be for your own homegrown talent to leave twice and for the record i was really hoping he'd leave without getting them a title i'm really sick that he got them a title it would have been hysterical that was actually thing. an awesome game seven but this is a college yeah. this is a mac football podcast yes so anyways that pretty much wraps up the um the podcast uh sorry the um eastern division um season preview like i said you know the two teams i covered miami of ohio is a very intriguing team akron is not intriguing they're gonna lose uh benji's buffalo bulls very intriguing team um and the ohio bobcats very intriguing connor's bowling green not that intriguing <laughs> and uh kent state not that intriguing so connor yeah. kind of Go on. You guys, you guys screwed me. You gave me, you gave me two of the worst teams. I mean, like Bowling Green has a little bit of hope at least, but like, dang, I, I guess I get, I know how, I know how it is to be, you know, a Bowling Green or a Kent State, and that's how I feel right now. That's a, yeah. that's what you get for your lackluster pump pass kick performance yesterday. Uh, hey, okay, yeah, you know what? I'll take that. You're probably right. <laughs> <laughs> we figured out we are not athletes, like you said earlier. But to wrap up this podcast, we're going to do a little fun segment where we're going to rank the Mac East stadiums. And uh, we're doing it on a tier list from S to D. So S is like, you know, top tier, A, B, C, D, D being the worst. Uh, we're doing just the Mac East stadiums. And these are, you know, all of our opinions. We'll have our own um, opinionated ones. And then we'll have the big our, the big podcast one, and we'll all release that out on Instagram and Twitter, all the social medias. But, uh, you know, to start off, why don't we, you know, start off with Ohio? Yeah, and to say, I would like to add that these are our own opinions and should be adopted by you immediately. <laughs> yeah, what we say goes, because we are the Mac podcast. Just kidding. I'm kidding. Yeah. <laughs> to our all listeners. Yeah. So, but to start off, uh, what, do we got, what do we think about Ohio's stadium? All right, I'm pulling up the video. 
Yeah, for, I think the first thing we have to do is shout out to all the people with drones who decided yes. to fly over stadiums because th- this is footage we never had. We never had this yeah. when we were growing up. It's so Honestly, good. Honestly, I love watching these drone videos. Yeah, they are awesome. They are they are awesome. And I'm here. Here, here are my thoughts on Ohio. It's it's classic. I think it fits well. There's, you know, it's just minimalistic. And I think that fits in um, in Athens, around that um, around their campus. It just everything fits well. Yeah, it yeah. screams like old school historic college, yes. like what you think of when the media tries to portray like an old school college, right? Yeah. And the the field itself and the the stands and stuff, it's pretty traditional. They have that raised up stand section. On the end zone in the corners. corners. Yeah. yeah. That's an interesting feature. I wonder how I it is like from it. viewing angle. Why don't you like it? I just, I, I'm saying, like, right now, I don't like it. It looks like it's an attempt to try to make it a horseshoe type thing with yeah. the. Uh, well, athletic, I, think, yeah. I think that's what they're trying to do. And it's just like, I don't know. I, you know, I'll talk about it more with Buffaloes too, but I, I, I don't like stadiums that don't have, like, it just kind of looks like an eyesore. Like, those co- corner end zone seats just kind of look like an eyesore. You know, I wish it was like the same level and the same. Um, uh, I'm trying to, I can't think of the word, but like same level as the other, um, other stands. It also looks like too. I just noticed this, but it looks like if you look at the uh, the sideline end zones, it looks like they have or not end zone, sorry, but sideline stands. It looks like that they have four or five rows that they added in new and pushed it down because it looks like there was a track around the field at one point. You guys see that? That's a good. That's, that's yeah, a good eye. Good point. Yeah. yeah. Interesting. So, and we don't like tracks around football fields. So that's you know. Yeah, that's high school. That is high school. And so, and also another thing with the track around the field is you feel further away from the game. So I think that's why they you know they added those four or five sections there to make it in. But it's just it's still like it, it, you, I still feel further away. I do like the one backdrop though that does go into their athletic center, um, with the campus in the background. That's awesome. Probably looks great in the fall time too. Oh but, yeah, absolutely. But you know. I I'd probably give it a B. What do you guys think? Yeah, I'm going B as well. Um, maybe maybe B plus. I'm kind of torn in between. I like it. You know, this is a classic stadium. I think in college football, I'm more, I'm more go towards the classic. Um, every every time they have this on an action, it looks like the game is like two degrees. <laughs> it looks freezing there. But, sounds, but sounds the, just like Eastern. But oh man. Well, we'll get that's that next one. episode. Yes, yes. Yeah, this this is a B for me too. It's got some charm to it, man. I I kind of like the old school feel. It feels like college football, and yes. I, I'm into it. It's a B. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Hey, right. it'll take a B stadium for sure. All right, so we put that at B. Next is gonna be, I believe, Dick's Stadium. Great name at Kent State University. Oh, uh, the Dicks. Yes, Dick's Stadium. <laughs> uh, so, what do you guys think? Connor, what do you think? I oh, <laughs> I hate oh to God. say it, but I love this stadium. Oh. I love Dick's Stadium. <laughs> uh, it, it, I, I get I get that this one's one of those things that I, I know everyone here hates. It's the asymmetry with the away fans being a little bit different than the home fan side. I get that it's kind of boxy and square, and it's kind of unappetizing to look at, right? But yeah, I love gross. I love the press box. <laughs> All right, I love the press box, and I like the little arc that it takes. 
I like how the stadium looks in the top down and how rounded everything it is. They have two giant tailgate lots, two huge parking lots right around the stadium. So easy tailgating access for a campus that's pretty spread out. I know I've been there a few times. It's pretty all over the place. So at least you have places to go in pregame before you go into the game. Uh, also sell beer in every stadium in college football. Thanks. But yeah. Yeah, yeah, I, I, just, I, think I just think that, that unlike, unlike the other one where it had some old school charm, this is like the Midwest charm to me. And I actually really like this. So I'm going to give this an A and I'm ready for all the hate that I'm going to get. It is not yeah. an A. That might be one of the worst decisions you've ever made in your life. That is, yeah. That is yeah, disgusting. This, it, yeah, this looks like the greatest, greatest stadium in uh, <laughs> NCAA football. That's awesome. I, this th- That's the first of, there's a couple that I'm going to make that comment for, but this is the first one. You know, I don't know. What are we doing with the end zone bleachers? Amen. I will say the field is a plus. I yes. love the field. I lo- it looks beautiful with the colors, with the blue and the, the yellow. I, I I like the field. Uh, the bleachers kind of scream high school to me. Yes. It just does They don't look very big. Uh, it just, I'll give it a C plus. So I'm giving this a downright D. I am I, I do not like this one bit. That being said, if they want to invite us out to a game, I'd be happy to. And I'll rock uh, I'll love Dick Stadium. But um, we're Kenny Burns. This is Kenny Burns podcast. Yes, yes. So the problem I have is Connor kinda touched on it, Benji definitely touched on it, but like the I I hate having three different sized state uh grandstands. It all again, that screams high school to me. Like the away side being half the size of the home side, like it's just I I don't know. It screams screams high school to me. Um, the one thing I do like, but they probably don't do it. If you guys look at the fifty yard line and the fifty uh, yard line seats right beneath beneath the bleachers, uh, it's got Kent there, which I kind of like that, and it's a whole yellow section. I'm not a hundred percent sure, but if they sell out games, is that section full yellow? Because that's what it should be. Like anyone that sits in that section should have yellow shirts. Like I, I know yeah. you can't force people to wear it, but you know how when people do like whiteout games and all this stuff, like that section should always be yellow. Yeah, that's what I. I think that would look very cool. Yes. Now, if they For do sure. that, I'm bumping this up to a uh, to a B because I think that alone with the Benji's correct. The field is gorgeous, gorgeous field. I love the the dark green, light green going all the way down. I love that. That's awesome. I, you know, I do like the one end zone on the side where it seems like their video board and scoreboards at with it being open. You know, I kind of like that. That's one of those things where like you get into the game early, you can go walk around. It probably gives great views and stuff like that. But outside that, these three stands are just miserable. Like Connor, yeah. I like the Ugh. I do like yeah, I do like the the press box and all that. I like the little like roof over it, but I don't. I just I can't get behind this man. This is a D for me. And Benji, you said C plus, and Connie, you yeah, said B. Yeah, I love. I'm giving it a C plus, and that is based just on how beautiful the field is. I gave this an A. So you gave this an A. Yeah, this is an A. I this is gonna have to be a. I think overall it's gonna have to be a C. That's fair. You know, yeah. I yeah, just, that's fair. Yeah, but you know, next on the list is going to be Bowling Green. Um, Benji, start it off. All right, give me two seconds. So, okay, I can start it off while while you look it up. But at uh, Dory Perry Stadium, uh, one thing that I will 
hold against it and it's just locate it's just the location of it you know like i it's weird to me that when you drive on 75 south you can see the stadium from uh, the the highway it, it cracks me up in a sense um i do like their like athletic complex on the one side of the end zone and the little seats that are in front of it probably a good view probably intimate view um unlike kent state though their field is not the best like they're it's kind of a blandish field i like the color orange i lo- like actually orange is probably my favorite color but it, it like like what are you guys doing with the field like gotta be better with the field but um you know i'd probably say this is you know an a- above average stadium uh the one end zones you know like it seems like there's n- no seats on the one end zone um and I do like, unlike what Connor says, I do like the uh, symmetrical of the two-sided um, grandstands on each side. Um, and this also goes back to the Kent State thing. It looks like in the middle, if you guys see it, that there's a section of orange seats. Very curious what those are for. Those almost look like those are like the only like um, seats with backs on them, while everything else is grandstandish. But I hope that every game that they have an orange section, you know, orange t-shirts only for that one. Yeah. So what I think this is, this just screams the stadium was built by the Urban Meyer win at all costs machine. Uh, I, I love it. I, I'm giving it an A because it just, it's new. And I think with a Bowling, a Bowling Green program that's had success, but doesn't really anything. Nothing really stands out. They don't have, at least to me. I I'm not a fan of these two colors. I'm sorry. It just screams S H I I T. When I look at it, I think Cleveland Browns. It's like ugh. Uh, but I love the stadium. It could use in in one of the end zones. There's kind of it's kind of bare. I think they could use something there. But everything else, I like the architecture. Uh, field looks good. I maybe more green field or a field that doesn't have a shine to it for when you play at noon. I hate that, like that Missouri type. Yeah, field. Illinois kind of has it too. It's just like gross to watch games. But you know when they're playing Maxon at night, I think this is a good looking field. And the orange does pop. I will say that the orange yes, does, does pop. But. Um... Yeah, Connor, what do you think? Yeah, big fan of the orange in general. I, I think their branding is actually pretty on point. The point that was made by Benji about the scoreboard side end zone being very bland is a big reason why I ended up giving this a C in the end. The other thing is, despite the cool athletic center that's right on the other side of the end zone, it really feels to me like you just pulled out the generic stadium builder in one of the older <laughs> NCAA games, and you just were like, yes. oh, yeah small midwest bull check (laughs) here you go and it really does look like that i mean it's the symmetry there's nothing interesting about this no no special press box designs it's just here's a box have fun with that i guess i mean i and i really do think there's something to what you're talking about with the field what is wrong with this there's something so off about the green on it i don't know yeah. yes they yeah. easily they, like like honestly if they did something like what kent state does it has that feel and like I it think would be orange, so much better it, it would, would be, be awesome it would be you can easily get orange to pop too right like like you can easily get orange to pop you know i used to wear wear orange shoes in college and people would say they was those were popping before jack harlow you still wear 
You used uh, to wear uh, teal Miami Dolphins I sneakers. I love teal, but with the orange. But yeah. with orange. And they, oh, again, they were gross. Hey, hey, hey. <laughs> they were popping is what the kids called them, okay? Um, one more thing, too, that I'll bring up with the stadium and we'll move on. Um, Connor, you're right about the generic thing. It also feels like just where they placed it, too. You see, there's nothing around it, right? Yes. Like, it just... I don't know. I just... I, I know you said the same thing with Kent State, you know, with how spread out that campus is, Connor, but it just, this one just doesn't feel as intimate as Kent State, if that makes sense. It it just, I don't know. That's just me. I feel like, you know, if you can incorporate your your stadium within your campus, it would be better. I will give a pass on Kent State, even though I ripped that one to shreds, but, like, this is just, I don't know. I, I think, what, overall, we're going to give it a B? I'm down yeah, for B. I'm, B. All right. I'm going. I'm going A. You're a going A. I would be a C. C, yeah, C and I so gave it a B. Works. So overall B. Yeah. Next up is uh, Akron. Good old so, Infocision. Infocision. You know this. It, it, it's not the biggest stadium in the world, but I, you know, I think this is the pinnacle of Mac stadiums. I love the eight. You know what it give? You know what uh, vibes it gives me, guys. A very European soccer esque feel with it being worked into the neighborhoods. You don't like that? No, I I, I like that. But go on, go ahead. Oh, I was just I, I I like how it's symmetrical on the sides. It's got a very big one sided uh you know press box area that looks you know kind of looks unique. Uh, their end zone. You know, it's got the back to I believe that's their basketball stadium back there. But it just it they do a great job of, like I said, incorporating this within the city. It seems like they had space and like, okay, we have to put a field here and we're gonna do it. Instead of how, you know, commercialized everything is and you knock everything down and make it a whole district. This is awesome. I love this stadium. Yeah, and I yeah, think and that, I that that has to do with how Akron's <laughs> campus really is laid out. Uh, the soccer thing is a good point. I love the double tiering. Um, it, the hill, right? I don't know how I feel about the hill. It's not bad here, but maybe maybe make maybe it more interesting, more interesting on the scoreboard side end zone, right? There, There's a lot that you can do over there besides just leaving it open. Um, I'm glad they didn't try to convert this into a horseshoe or anything like that because I'm, I'm learning that I really don't like horseshoe stadiums, but... All in yeah, all, I ended, up, I ended up with a B on this. I really like the buildings that lead into the press box and that whole area. I think that's pretty unique. It's something you see with a lot of modern stadium architecture, especially at the professional level. They do these like, oh, here's a facade where it's a bunch of corporate buildings, and then, oh, wait, it's actually a stadium. Uh, that's been done in a lot of stadiums, and it looks like they kind of beat people to it when Infocision was built. Benji? Yeah, so... What I what I don't get is why isn't this called the Rubber Bowl? <laughs> well, they sold out. Yeah. They so sold out. I'm gonna call this Rubber Bowl. Um, <laughs> Rubber Bowl too, because um, Akron was always the first team that everybody would usually pick in NCAA because they're the first option. When you just say, yep. "Oh, I'm bored. I want to just create a random dynasty. Oh, let's go to Akron." You know, I love the back. Drop. It's awesome. I love stadiums like that that are connected right to like the streets of like regular neighborhoods. I think that's awesome. It brings a special feel. That's college football to me. Yes. Um, kind of like Michigan. How Michigan Stadium is. You know, I I don't like really like the hill, but I think it it fits. Uh, the field looks good. 
still kind of screams high school a little bit, but I I like like the stadium. I'm gonna give this one an A minus as well. Okay, yeah, I'm gonna give it I'm gonna give it an S because I the only the only negative. The only two negatives that I have with it is, like you said, the hill. But I feel like with a hill, you know, it's kind of cool. You know, you could just lay a blanket down and watch a game. You know, I feel like that's kind of a cool thing to do. And one more thing. Guys, take notes from Kent State. What is going on with the field? Like, it is just a dull shade of green. Yeah. that The field needs some work. Like, you can easily make this make this field pop. Like, I would this, say... Go on. The, why does... We have so many fields in the MAC that when you watch a game, it just looks like it's like zero degrees. This I, is another one of those fields. Benji, I, I think it's because it is zero degrees when we watch the MAC. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you're not wrong. I mean, yeah, did we not watch that CMU Western game last year? I mean, oh, couldn't even critique the grass because it wasn't there. Yes. Yeah. Yes. See, maybe that's what Akron should do is they should just make their whole grass snow so that way we can't critique it. Maybe the self-titled uh, King of Akron can uh, give him <laughs> yeah. some money. Yeah, the Akron Hammer. Yeah. 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 So I will one more thing and then we'll move on. Um, you guys see at the fifty-yard line again how they have like a darker shaded um, section of the stands. It's again. I'm curious if that's like a blue. But again, for all these stadiums that have that. Please, please, please make sure you like wear the color of the seats, if that makes sense. I think that's for season ticket holders. Okay. I'm going to okay. guess. I would hope that they were all blue, though, still, you know? Like, that would be awesome. That yeah. that would look awesome. But, so, I guess, overall, we're giving it an A? Just, yeah. Yep. All right. Sounds good. Next is going to be uh, Miami of Ohio. Uh, Connor, you want to lead off with this? Yeah, this is one that I'll just start out by saying it's a C. There's interesting things about this stadium. Yeah. Is it yeah. C for cradle of coaches? Yeah, so that's that's the first part, right? It's the cradle There's of so coaches. So many statues. Yes. Uh honestly they could have done a little more with it. I, I don't know if it's okay for me to, to be disappointed in that tribute. Um I think they could have added a little more a little more flair to it. Outside, Outside of that of though, that. um, I actually, this is one of those athletic centers that I don't love. It's trying, and it kind of fits in with Ohio's theme, right? Where it was classic college football. You're going to a stadium that was built, you know, way back when, and this is traditional campus style. But it's very boxy, and I don't see how the pillars really work for this. It's just not super. It's not super. Cool. Yeah, I'm not into it. That's what I'm going to leave it at. So this one gets to see also the treacherous away stands being smaller which is a crime against humanity so not a fan of that what i do like about it though and what i am going to say that i'm enjoying here is everything is really close to the field there's not much padding on the outsides and you could really get a lot of good seats pretty much anywhere on this stadium just because of how close it is so maybe if they do a little more with that cradle coaches maybe if they add some more interesting looks I don't know. I just don't know if you could save the athletic center personally. Yeah. So when I look at this, I, I think the cradle of coaches is awesome with all the statues. Uh, there might you can make an argument that there's still too many statues, uh, but they when you look at their coaching history, it's like incredible. I know they just put up a Sean McVay statue too. Um, I like the cradle of coaches. I like the athletic center. The, the the stance what are we doing here with the, with the away ones oh my god and then the the field 
it needs work. Uh, it could they could do more to make that red pop out. Um, just I you know it screams like it's close to the Kent State, but the red just doesn't. Ugh. I give it. I'm I'm giving this a C plus. See, I, I agree with everything you guys have said. I'll try to keep mine short. Uh, Benji, you're right. They could easily make the red pop. Um, it's easy to make red pop, right? Like it's yes. easy to do. Uh, Connor's exactly right with that abysmal away section. Uh, it's kind of an eyesore. And yeah, the uh, I do. I will say I do like the trees behind uh, their like yes uh, event, uh, convention center or whatever that is in the one end zone. Um, I almost wish that they just take that out. You know, the whole that whatever it's called, the Randy Gundwick Family Center. I wish they would just take that out and you just have a nice fall backdrop to it. That'd be awesome. And one more thing I'll add too. Uh, I give it a C as well. So I think a Universal on the podcast, it's going to be a C. Um, it just seems like all they care about here is the cradle of coaches. Yeah, you know? that's a fact. It just seems like, oh, you got all the cradle of coaches and then you have a generic football stadium. Like, if you're going to be the cradle of coaches, you should go above and beyond and yeah and they need to update their damn scoreboard like that is a small small scoreboard for you know for any like it's a high school level scoreboard so they need to uh sorry randy gunlock family performance center but uh yeah they need to uh they need to update some stuff here but i think overall gonna give it a c i do like again i guess it's the season tickets on the 50 yard lines with that being red there the red um seats hopefully everyone wears red there that'd look cool but yeah overall the podcast is going to give it a C. So uh, let me move that up to a C. And then uh, last but not least, we have the University of Buffalo Stadium. So what do you guys think? I I already, like, I want to give it a D right away for multiple reasons. Uh, the track. One, the track. Yeah. Like, what, what the hell are we doing? Yes, the track is awful. It's abysmal. You shouldn't have a track at a football stadium. It's like just, just I understand it's for multi-use. Like it's good for multi-use, but it's one of those things where like you're not as intimate on the field as what you should be. This is um, a Division One program. Yes, it, I mean it looks like if you're trying to kick a normal extra point that you need to kick it 50 yards to hit the field house in the back because it's so far away. They need to update their scoreboard if they haven't yet. I don't like Connor might disagree with me here. I don't like that the double tier system that they have on the stands on the away side. Um the ones that like are elevated up, that looks tacky to me. Um and then, you know, it looks like they try to do a kind of a horseshoe type thing with the one end zone having stands. It's just I don't know, those stands you just seem so far away. So I'm giving this a D. Um it's sad too for how good this program can be. That the stadium is just meh. Yeah, I the track just ruins it for me. I think they have if they got rid of the track and they moved everything in, I think they might have something. Um, but uh, it's just tough. The field looks beautiful though. I'll give them that. And I do like watching games at Buffalo. I think it it kind of feels different um, than the than the rest of the MAC, but still. The, ugh, that yeah. track. Yeah, it, I just track. can't get past it. It plays pretty well on TV. Uh, this one's yeah, not hard to watch. I think the the field itself is good, but 
if you want to know why you're losing out on all these recruiting battles against Rutgers and Syracuse and stuff, just take a look at the stadium. You really want your guys to show up to this? It's kind of pathetic, honestly. That weird tri-tier stadium setup. I mean, it's, it looks bland and dated, and I think they're going to have to do a lot to try to get this to be an average to good stadium. Honestly, I think this is one that you scrap and you rebuild, um, which I, I'd be curious to see if that's something that's an option for them because Buffalo could probably be the premier program with their location if they could just figure out this. Yes, I agree. And it's also one of those two that uh, do not, and you know, people are going to disagree and I'm going to touch on the Buffalo Bills here. Do not, if you, they do rebuild, make it an outdoor stadium. You want to use your home field advantage. You don't want to play in a dome. So if they do that, you know, keep it, keep it outdoors. You guys agree on that? Yes, I agree. Right, I'm a so, retractable roof guy, but this well, is yes, one of those stadiums yes. that, like, in the future, I, I, if they were to build something new, it has to be outdoor, right? It's a college program. Yes. Yeah. And no, I'm, yeah, Matt, I think all stadiums should have retractable roofs. Shell out the extra $200 million to do it. That way we have no rain delays. <laughs> it's just delays. taxpayer dollars. Yeah. It's, we don't have rain delays in football. That's baseball. Yeah, I know. I know. And I've gotten, I've seen two rain delay games this year so far. So I'm a little annoyed. Anyways, so we're going to put that as a D. And that rounds out our list. We have Kent State as an A. We have Bowling Green and Ohio at B's. We have, uh, sorry, I said Akron at A for Akron. And then Ohio and Bowling Green at B. And then we got Kent State and Miami of Ohio at C. And then D to round it up is the Buffalo Bulls. So that's it for today's episode. Um, hope everyone enjoyed it. Like, comment, subscribe, all that stuff. You know, you guys know what to do. Um, you know, all right, if you guys have anything else you guys want to say before we sign off? Nope. We're getting close to the season. We are indeed. You but- can feel it. Yes, I can see with the leaves turning, right, Connor? Yep, Hell the yeah. leaves are turning, right, Benji? The le- uh-huh. Uh-huh. <laughs> right. Nothing, nothing gets me going more than when, when the leaves start turning. That's <laughs> it's fall. My, shout out to my wife. Bought, bought us some pumpkin spice coffee. <laughs> I love that. That's my guy, it's August. <laughs> All right, yeah. and with that, we're going to wrap up the third episode today. Thank you guys for listening. Have a good night.